Good morning, everyone. Hey, Friday, I will turn my radio station to something playing Christmas music, and I will leave it there till sometime between Christmas and New Year's. Is anybody else with me? Like, I love Christmas. I'm so glad the holidays are here. I think because my parents both worked in education, that Christmas break, that two weeks off was like the only time in our life where our family, the five of us, my older sister, my younger sister, me and my mom and dad were like together every day for two weeks. I just love Christmas. I love Christmas at Journey and what's coming in two weeks. We start a brand new series called God With Us. We're in the book of Matthew for more than a year at our church, but we're going to step away from the Beatitudes. We're going to go back to Matthew chapter one, two, three, and four and talk about what it means to have God's son being born among us as we celebrate in the Christmas season. This will culminate with 12 Christmas services. Check it out on the screen, figure out which one you and your family can be a part of either here or online. Sunday, December 20, all our Sunday services will be Christmas week services, 9, 11, 4, and 6, Monday at 6.30, Tuesday 6.30, Wednesday 5.30 and 7.30, Thursday all day long, noon to 4 and 6, a family Christmas experience where you'll get to end with candlelight Christmas communion, just remembering to kind of center everything on who Jesus is. We have so many services, one, so you can sit without our room being crazy crowded, two, so that whenever you, we know these are times people are going to be celebrating Christmas, we want you to make Jesus a part of your family Christmas celebration, so whenever your family's doing Christmas, Pick one of our services to come to. And even those of you who are doing these online, all of these services will be online. It's our goal this year. We're actually going to be preparing at-home Christmas communion packets so that you can come sometime in the month of December and pick up your family communion that you'll serve to your family who's at home and for all of our online congregation. Christmas is a time where if we're not careful, we can like do everything but think about and celebrate and worship Jesus. So we want to make sure and slow down the week of Christmas and really, really celebrate Jesus. Really, really exciting things coming. One of those is our new building. Let me give you some updates on what's coming in the next two or three weeks. One Sunday over the next three or four, you're going to drive in here and everything is going to be different. Right now, you park here, you walk in when this yellow arrow is. In a week or two, this is going to go away as they prepare for the next six to nine months to connect this to our new building. A lot of you are going to be funneled to a new parking lot in the back. This is behind our current church. And you will literally walk into the back of our church. You say, Christian, there's a wall there. There is, but we busted a hole through it this week so that we could create a new door, just a little metal door out there. So say, where do I go? Park here. You'll walk in here. We're going to make this the family entrance of our church. This is a white fence that runs along the west perimeter of our church. If you have kids, we're going to ask you to try to park in front on this side or in the back on this side and then enter here with your kids because we're going to have some pretty tight hallways for a while while we build our new church. So I don't think it'll happen this week because of the weather, but we've told our construction crew, you go as fast as possible, we'll be ready. If some Sunday you show up and they wave you to the back of the church, you're just find the hole in the back of the wall. That's where you're going to go in. Um, and we promise we'll get, we'll get you into the auditorium if you can get into the parking lot. We're in the book of Matthew today, Matthew chapter five. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, grab your notes or fire up your app so that you can take notes. We're in a series called the way of Jesus. Here's the purpose of the series. We're trying to learn the ways of Jesus so that we can live life like Jesus because we're followers of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus is not just a set of beliefs. It's a lifestyle. Being a follower of Jesus is imitating the life of Jesus. And you can't do that if you don't know who he is and how he loves and what he believes and how he shapes. So we're trying to learn that through this series. This series is about Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Series is about Jesus. And I think maybe we've come to the most important message today for our community this week. 
Here are our goals for today. Number one, to meet the peacemaker. His name is Jesus. And to understand why he is essential to our spiritual lives. But number two, to understand the critical role of Christians as peacemakers in our world. Why do I believe this message is so important? Folks, I've lived in our community for about 10 years. I love our community. I love the people of our community. I love the schools of our community. I love the organizations of our community. Our community in 2020 has lived through more tension and right now is engaged in more tension and headbutting than I ever remember, and it's not even been close. And God bless our school administrators, our school board, our teachers, our students, our families, our kids who are going through yet another kind of iteration of what school is going to look like for a season and a year where there's it's really hard to make decisions for people leading organizations trying to process all the information. It's really hard to make decisions. There's not a decision that seems to be right for 95% of the people. It literally is 50-50. And no matter what you choose, there's just so much anger. Have we ever, in our community, have we ever needed peace more than we've needed it now? And maybe second question, this is where you can help. Have we ever needed Christians to be peacemakers? more than we've ever needed it now. See, one of the problems is we have absorbed all the change in our community just like everyone else, and instead of helping with the the solution, we have been part of the problem because we are not peacemakers. We're not peace kind of fillers. We, We don't add peace to the situation. And my goal today, we always stop and ask God to speak to us, but my goal today is we'll pray for peace in our community. We'll pray that God might show us how to like actually be part of that. Um, And then just pray God speaks to our heart about what we're supposed to do in that arena. So would you bow your heads and pray with me here? For those of you watching online, take a deep breath if you haven't done that yet today. And would you just whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven? Would you ask God to speak to you? And then would you stop and say a prayer very specifically for our school district, our school board, our administrators, teachers, most importantly, families with kids who are home and they're not quite sure how they're going to do that in homes where mom and dad both work. There are not a lot of solutions, but we can pray and ask God for peace. So would you do that? God, would you speak to us today? And as you speak, would you touch the lives of those in this community who are followers of Jesus with a deep and personal peace so that they can serve as peacemakers for the next several difficult months as we end the year of 2020 and start 2021 in our community in a a way that's different than we've ever done it before. Give us peace. Help us to bring peace. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name and everyone said... Amen. Matthew 5, 1 through 12 is going to be where we are again today. It says this, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad." 
Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We've been in the same 12 verses every week for nearly 10 weeks because we're hoping these verses will live in us for the rest of our lives. We've been going one verse at a time. We finally made it to verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peace is a really big deal in Scripture. It's one of the dominant themes in the Bible. Peace is mentioned more than 400 times from Genesis to Revelation. Peace with God, having peace with man, peace on earth. Peace is a big deal to God. And Jesus, in his first sermon to humanity, says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We're going to talk about two types of peace today. Number one, we're going to talk about peace with God. We're going to talk about peace with God, and we're going to do that by looking at this word that Jesus used because it's a powerful word in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. You might circle or underline that word peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, Matthew was writing in Greek. It was the language of the day, but he was stealing from the Old Testament Hebrew word that had been translated to Greek in the Septuagint, the the Old Testament Hebrew Bible translated in Greek. We talked about that process a few weeks ago. The Hebrew word is shalom. The Greek word is arene. The definition of the word shalom is everything that makes for God's highest good to mankind. That's what shalom means. If you were to go to Israel, like our trip, our, our church is taking a trip almost every year um, to go to Israel. We were actually there in January and passed someone in the streets of Jerusalem. When they said shalom, when, when they pass you and say shalom to you, they're not saying hi. They're not just saying hello. When someone says shalom to you, they literally are saying, I am hoping for God's highest good on you today. The Greeks tried to translate this word, but their word was kind of a, a ripoff. It was a counterfeit of the real world because the word arene did not mean God's highest good for mankind. It meant kind of the absence of conflict. As a matter of fact, Arene was one of the Greek goddesses. This is one of the oldest statues of her that exist in a museum today. And the, the Greek military would pray to her and ask for victory because if they won victory in war, it would lead to an absence of conflict and they could go back to their homes. Arene. We get the English word serene from the Greek word arene. It means calm. It means peaceful. If, you, if you're a boater, if you go out on the ocean or you go out on a lake and the water is serene, it means there's not a lot of turbulence. So in the Greek and Roman world, peace was a lack of turbulence. So if you were walking down a Greek or Roman street and someone said peace to you, what they meant was, hey, I hope you don't have any enemies. But it was totally different spiritually. In the Greek and in the Roman world, peace was a removal of something bad. In the Hebrew world, shalom, peace, was the addition of something good. Cultural society says to get peace, something has to go. Spiritual society says to get peace, something has to come. And his name is Jesus. The Romans ripped off all the Greek gods. If you've studied mythology and history, the, the Greek goddess Arene became the Roman goddess Pax, P-A-X. And a popular phrase that the Romans would say as they conquered the world was the Pax Romana, the Pax Romana. You say, what's the Pax Romana? It's the peace of Rome. And when they would show up in a city with their army, they would offer Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, which basically meant this, surrender or die. If you surrender, you can have our peace. Or we can kill you, and then we'll be at peace. But the Pax Romana was literally a propaganda term. It meant the only way you get peace is to be conquered by us. You can, you can have our peace by letting us conquer and control you, but Pax Romana, surrender or die. That's what Arene meant. Peace is eliminating the things that cause turbulence in our life, not the word shalom. 
Shalom meant everything that makes for God's highest good for mankind. So when a Hebrew person says shalom to you, they're saying in the midst of everything that you're going through in 2020, I'm praying that God adds something good. That's where peace comes from. Not escaping the bad, but in having the good added to you. One of the most popular shirts that sells in the markets of Jerusalem is a shirt that has a smiley face on it, a big yellow smiley face that has Jewish curls coming down the side and a little Jewish hat on top, and underneath it says, Shalom, y'all. Shalom, y'all. Now that tells me something. I've been in countries all over the world that speak English, but there's a very small set of, very small subset of English speaking people who say, y'all. And they all live in our country, and most of them not in the north part of our country, which means if that's one of the top selling shirts, there must be a lot of hillbilly Christians from the south running around Jerusalem buying shirts. And if you went on one of our trips, you said, wait a minute, I bought one of those. That tells you how I see you. I'm like, I'm sorry, but it is true. Like, shalom, y'all. What they're saying, when, if somebody walks up to you and says, shalom, y'all, what they're saying is regardless of what you're going through today, I'm praying God will add something that will make it better. Ultimately, what they're saying is when you go through life that is so broken and so twisted and so turbulent, I'm praying that the addition of Jesus will bring peace, that it will change everything. See, the first peacemaker was Jesus, and he is the Son of God. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. In a way, this is a theological verse because Jesus was the first peacemaker and he was the son of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, starting with Jesus, who was the son of God. After telling his disciples in John chapter 14 and 15 that he was going to create a way for them to connect with the God of the universe and live in peace, Jesus said this in John chapter 16. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I've told you that I'm the way and the truth and the life, and I've told you that my word will keep you close to me, and I've told you my spirit will help you feel close to me. I've told you these things so that you can have shalom. The first shalom maker was Jesus. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. The peace that I offer is not removing all the garbage of the world from your life. You still will have it. But the peace I offer is adding myself, my life, my word, my spirit to your life in the midst of that. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The first shalom maker was Jesus. And here's how he created peace. Pax Romana. Rome shows up in a town and says, surrender or die, and then you can have peace. Jesus shows up in the world, surrenders and dies so that we can have peace. See how that works? Roman armor shows up and says, surrender and die, surrender or die, and then we'll give you peace. Jesus shows up and says, I will surrender, and I will die, and then you can have peace. In Romans chapter 5, the apostle Paul tries to unpack this theology, this doctrine of Jesus as a peacemaker, why, why we need him, why I think you need him if you're not a Christian yet. And what he does for you is, is it okay if we do a little Bible study today? Can we do a little Bible study? You guys got your Bible? Romans chapter five. If you have that flip over there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip in my Bible, but then I'm going to teach on the screen. But if you've got a paper Bible, today's a good day to have a paper Bible. Romans chapter five. We're just going to read through almost the entire chapter. Here's what it says. Paul explaining why humanity needs a shalom maker. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, this, this line I'm going to teach on the screen so you can underline in your Bible, the word justified means declared right. It's a, ju- it's, a judicial, it's a judicial word. And Paul says, because God has declared you right with him, 
because of your belief in Jesus, not because your life, not because your actions, not because you're good enough. Therefore, since we have been declared right with God, just by believing in Jesus, the shalom maker, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Paul says, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have gained access to God. God is even okay with you. You're in good standing, and all you had to do was place your faith in your life in Jesus and what he did for you, and that's worth celebrating. He also says we celebrate the hard things in life. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, these are 2020 verses, by the way. If you're ever looking for 2020 verses, these are some. This is actually my Christmas card this year. This this is at the head of my Christmas card because I have learned that this is true this year. Paul says, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. So where glory means feel the full weight of. Paul says, as Christians, we celebrate who Jesus is, but because we have Jesus, we're able to feel the full weight of all the negative things happening in life because they actually work, work for us. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So when, as a member of our church, you get my Christmas card this year, you'll hear me say, I love this verse because this year I found that it was more true than I ever knew it was. I could always quote it. I've always read it. I've even taught it. This year I've lived it. And I have felt the full weight of suffering this year, unlike in any other year, and I still have hope. God's word is true. We can trust it. Paul continues, why is it so important that we have Jesus? Verses 6 through 8, he says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. These two yellow portions tell you why you need a peacemaker. You say, why do I need a peacemaker? Because God sees you today. If you have not begun a relationship with Jesus through faith, God sees you in two ways today. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. He sees you as ungodly and a sinner. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus yet, you stand in this position with God. You're ungodly and you're a sinner. Paul will actually go a step further and say, that's not a good position to be in spiritually as he continues in verses 9 through 11, since we've now been justified by his blood, made right because of his crucifixion, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him for if while we were God's enemies? Stop right there. Paul said God has wrath for ungodly sinful people because they are his enemies. You say, who is, who is that? I don't want to be on that list. How do you... How do you get on the list? How do you get off the list? I'm going to tell you why you were on the list and how you can get off the list. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled or made right, shall we be saved through his life? So he said we were were born enemies, but then Jesus came and his life allowed us to connect with God. We're not enemies anymore, not only so, but now we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ because we now have received reconciliation. Like we were enemies of God and now we're friends of God. He said, okay, Slow down, help me understand while I was an enemy of God. Romans 5.12, the next verse I'm going to give you, is called the doctrine of original sin. Turn to someone next to you and say original sin. You need to, you need to write that word down if you're not familiar with it. I'm going to teach you, I'm going to try to teach in two or three minutes what takes years of seminary to kind of wrap your head around. The concept of original sin is that we're, is that we're all born broken. It comes from Romans chapter 5. I even want you to hear the difference between the word sin and the word sins. Sins are what you commit. Their actions. Sin is what you have. According to Romans 5.12. Let me teach it to you. 
Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all because all sinned. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying sin, the spiritual infection, entered the world through Adam, Adam and Eve, one man. And then death came to humanity who was never supposed to die. The only way you could die was to be infected by sin. Death came into the world through one man, Adam and Eve. They died because of that. He said, now everyone else is dying because we've all been infected with sin. It's a doctrine of original sin. You say, I, I, can't take the, I can't take the blame for Adam and Eve's sin. No, you can't take the blame, but you can be broken by it. And you are. You say, can you prove that? Paul tries, verses 13 and 14. He says, to be sure, because I'm sure they gave the same pushback. Hang on. Paul says, to be sure. Sin was in the world. The infection of sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin's not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. You say, what does that mean? The infection of sin was around before the practice of sins. You say, what do you mean by that? There were thousands of years between Adam and Eve and Moses. There were no Ten Commandments to break, so you couldn't actually commit sins. But Paul says everyone was infected with sin. You say, how do you know that? He said, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by committing sins, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. Paul says the only reason anyone dies is because they're infected with sin. And even though there were no Ten Commandments, everyone from Adam to Moses died, which means everyone was infected with sin. Everyone was infected with sin. Even before they even committed a sin, they were infected with sin. You say, how do you know? Death is proof that you have the infection of sin. So he says, going back to verse 12, sin entered the world through one man, death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin. You say, wait a minute, does that refer to me? Only if you think one day you'll die. If you, and, I, I'm, and I'm trying to be theologically, um, theologically genuine here. If you don't ever think you'll die, you may not be infected with sin. If you are confident one day this life will end, this says the only reason that happens is because you're infected with sin. You say, well, that's a, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because I've never thought I would live forever. I've always thought one day, you know, one day would be my day, hopefully a long time from now, but one day would be my day. Paul says that is the proof. You're infected with sin. If you're infected with sin, it means you're ungodly and a sinner. It means you're an enemy of God, and you're saying, ooh, if that's the case, I guess I'm going to need a helper. Good news is there's a shalom maker named Jesus who comes to our rescue. Paul continues in Romans chapter 5, the gift of salvation is not like the trespass of Adam. For if many people died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. Judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Paul said one guy sinned and everyone else after him died. But after him, after millions of people infected with sin committed billions of actual sins because they were rebelling against God, one man came and died for all the sins and wiped it all out for anyone who would want to follow him. So like this, this, we, we can be Adam or we can be Jesus. We should want to be like the second guy. You say, why do I commit sin? Because it's in your nature. You're born with it. For those of you, I, I prayed with a dad um, at the end of a service. His name's Jesse. He just had a son named David. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Jesse, son of David. Maybe one day he'll kill a, a giant um, named Goliath. Um, his son, how many of you are parents? How many parents? His son will learn to say no before he learns to say thank you. 
right? Matter of fact, he won't even learn, like, you won't have to teach him how to say no. Satan puts it in his heart. Like, from the very beginning, like, your child, like, you say, why do we commit sins? Because we're born infected with sin. And eventually it leads to rebellion from anything and everything good and anyone and everyone in authority, beginning with God. But Paul says, Jesus comes and gives you an opportunity to reverse all of that. And he wraps up in verse 17 by saying, if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigns through one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? So Paul said, basically, every human being has two choices. If they think they're going to die, if they think they're infected with sin, every human being has two choices, death or Jesus. Death or Jesus. For those of you who are not Christians who wonder why your friends follow Jesus, it's because we believe those are the two two options, death or Jesus. Death or Jesus, death or Jesus, death or Jesus. So we say the first shalom maker was Jesus, and he is the son of God. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Starting with me, I will be the first shalom maker because I am the son of God. You say, wait a minute. So this beatitude, is this one about Jesus or is it about his followers? And the answer is? Both, both. It's about Jesus and his followers because the followers of Jesus should live life like Jesus because they're becoming more like Jesus. So Jesus is the peacemaker who gives us peace with God. If you don't have peace with God today, you can before you leave these doors, but only you can decide that. Death or Jesus, you get the choice. I'll help you make that choice before the end of the service if you haven't yet. Peace with God. But then because we are like Jesus, we are supposed to create peace with others. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus said, for they will be called children of God. Now, I'm going to give you a quote that you either need to take a picture of. Michelle, is it on your notes? You're looking at your notes. Is it even on your notes? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a quote in just a second you need to take a picture of. And you need to take it home and you need to hang it on your refrigerator. Because if every follower of Jesus had this quote hanging on the refrigerator on January 1 of 2020, I think our community, your friendships, your relationships would be a better place. Like I re- that's how, that's how powerful I think this quote is. Someone texted me after the 8 a.m. service who's watching in our online service, and he said, after you read that quote, there are only two ways to respond to that quote, ouch or amen. Most of us say ouch. Let me show you about a peacemaker. Peacemaking is a hallmark of God's children. A person who is not a peacemaker either is not a Christian or is a disobedient Christian. The person who is continually disruptive, divisive, and quarrelsome has good reason to doubt his relationship to God altogether. Whoa. Whoa. You want me to read it again? I will. Peacemaking, like no, go to the next slide. Peacemaking is a hallmark of God's children. A person who's not a peacemaker either is not a Christian or is a disobedient Christian. The person who is continually disruptive, divisive, and quarrelsome has good reason to doubt his relationship to God altogether, written by Pastor John MacArthur in 1985. That's about 20 years before Facebook even came about. What's that do to your soul? Do you think if this was true and Christians were obedient that our community would be a better place to live in, yes or no? Yeah. Does this change Thanksgiving dinner Thursday? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. You want me to read it one more time? I will. Peacemaking is a hallmark of God's children. 
A person who is not a peacemaker either is not a Christian or is a disobedient Christian. The person who's continually disruptive, divisive, and quarrelsome has good reason to doubt their relationship to God altogether. Wow. Man, there's some things you read spiritually and you feel like you need to duck because like the hand of the Holy Spirit is closed in a fist and it's coming right for your heart. Like this one's for you. This one's for you. Listen, Christians at Journey in 2020, we are not responsible for the outside world that doesn't know Jesus. This one's for us. This one's for us. This is not for our family members Thursday, Friday, Saturday who don't know Jesus. This one's for us. A person who's not a peacemaker either is not a Christian or a disobedient Christian. So how do we become peacemakers? How do we become peacemakers? Number one, help people make peace with God. I'm going to give you three ways that like beginning today, you can begin to move forward. How do we become peacemakers? Helping people make peace with God. Second Corinthians 5.18 says, God re- Jesus reconciled you to God so you could reconcile all your friends to Jesus. He gave you reconciliation, then gave you the ministry of reconciliation. You go help people know who God is. One of the ways we do that is by having peace. Oswald Chambers says, look up and receive the quiet contentment of the Lord Jesus. Reflecting God's peace is proof that you're right with God because you're exhibiting the freedom to turn your mind toward him. We need more people in our community looking at Christians saying, how can you have peace in the midst of all this chaos when no one else does? I mean, man, you don't seem bothered by masks. You don't seem bothered by COVID. You don't seem bothered by the election. Like everything that's happening like you're aware of it but like you just you live with this peace how do you do that chamber says when christians have peace it helps the world understand there's something more to their soul so that's one way we live with peace another way is to invite people into our peace you say man why in the world are you doing 12 christmas services because we believe christmas and easter are the best times of the year to invite people into God's peace. These are spiritual, these are, these are spiritual history that have turned into cultural celebrations. And grandma and grandpa can leverage food and gifts to get their entire family here at Easter and Christmas to say, we'd love to invite you over. We got a nice gift under the tree if you go to church with us first. Like we know more people are willing to come to church at Easter and Christmas than any other time of the year. So we say, we're going to give those two Sundays, those two weekends, those two celebrations. We're going to leverage the cultural celebration of these spiritual historical moments to tell people about Jesus and invite them to have peace with him. So man, please don't waste this Christmas. Here or online, you say, well, we're not having anyone over for Christmas. If you have the internet, you can choose which service you're going to watch and have family all over the world watch the same service at the same time, pop open a different device and FaceTime while you're watching it. You can celebrate Jesus in the midst of Christmas, and we will help invite people in your life who don't know Jesus to experience his peace. We believe that's our charge at Christmas because we want to become peacemakers, and peacemakers help people make peace with God. What else do they do? Number two, peacemakers. If you want to become a peacemaker, as far as it depends on you, you've got to start living at peace with others. Jesus was so serious about this. In Matthew chapter 5, we'll learn sometime in 2021 as we continue through the book of Matthew. Jesus said, if you're on your way to church, and remember you've got conflict with someone, don't go to church. Go fix your conflict. And then once your heart is right with people, come back. Then you'll really be able to worship God in freedom. That's a, like, that's a pretty strong charge. Maybe a better one is Romans 12, 18, which basically is this point. Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with people. Like, it's like as far as it depends on you, figure out how to live at peace with people. So how do I do that? Sometimes the hard way. 
We'll read Jesus say sometime in January, February, as we keep moving through Matthew chapter 5, somebody strikes you on the right cheek. Man, hit him back with a hard hook. No, he doesn't say that, does he? Jesus says, somebody strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one. Somebody asks you to go one mile. When you don't feel like you should have to go one mile, go two. Somebody asks for your coat. Man, give them your shirt too. Do more than what is required of you because that, that'll help you. If you go further than everyone else, that might help people see me. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, goes beyond that. He gives a verse that's almost offensive to us because he had Christians that couldn't get along in their church to the point where they were like taking each other to court to sue each other. And he said, man, you don't look like Jesus. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? I get it. But as far as it depends on you, get over it. Live at peace with people. Say they wronged me. Get over it. They cheated me. Get over it. So we can't do that. Why? So it's not the American way. I don't know if you heard it or not. This series is not called the way of America. It's called the way of Jesus. It's called the way of Jesus. Was Jesus wronged when they hung him on the cross? I'll ask you. You can answer out loud if you want. Was Jesus wrong when they hung him on the cross? Yes or no? Was he cheated? Are his followers supposed to be like him? And that one is said with a little sadness. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. So Paul says, as far as it depends on you, man, get along. Thanksgiving this year, just shut your mouth. Just shut your mouth. As long as it depends on you. I mean, open it to eat the turkey. But like when it, when it comes to talking turkey, like just be done with it. As long as it depends on you, get over it. And then becoming a peacemaker, number three, because you are a child of Jesus, Becoming a peacemaker means working to help people live at peace with each other. In Ephesians 4.15, Jesus says, speak, or Paul says, speak the truth in love. Jewish rabbis in Jesus' day said that the highest form of good anyone could do was to help people get along. The highest form of good that you could do to your fellow man was to help people get along. To decide not to live on one side or another, but to decide to live right in between and to figure out what is near to the heart of Jesus on this side and what is near to the heart of Jesus on this side, that if we could bring them together, might lead someone to the person of Jesus. Last week in our undivided Bible study that I'm in with several dozen people on Sunday night, Pastor Derwin Gray, a pastor in South Carolina, said, if you want to know if you belong to God, ask yourself if you're actively making peace. Making peace is active. You are a bridge builder, and bridges are meant to be walked on in order to get people to the other side. You say, I can't live in the middle. I'm just going to get walked all over. That's kind of what it looks like. As long as you are leading people somewhere specific to the shalom maker named Jesus, sometimes that's what it looks like. Because it's in the in-between where change happens. You see, as long as Jesus was in heaven, he couldn't impact what was going on on earth. And as long as he was on earth, he didn't totally impact what was going on in heaven. But when he was raised up in between the earth and the heavens, on a cross, he brought them together. He was the bridge that reconciled a broken relationship between God and humanity. And if you and I can learn to care more about winning souls than winning arguments, if you and I can care more about helping people get to Jesus' side than your side of an opinion, if we can live in the in-between, 
maybe we can be the blessed peacemakers who are seen as children of God. And that is the whole point. Matthew 5, 9, one more time. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Two words in the Greek language for children. One is technon. It's how parents look at kids. Oh, young kids. It's, if, if we were to walk outside and there were a bunch of kids running around the hallway, technon, we'd see them all as kids. Another Greek word for children is the word huios. Huios. And huios was the dignity and honor that a child carried because of the relationship to their parents. Huios wasn't looking at kids as kids. Huios was looking at kids and connecting them with their parents. Oh, that's John's son. Oh, that's Tammy's son. Huios is when I see the kid, I think of the parent. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers because when people see God's kids, they'll think of God the Father. Journey, our community needs to see God the Father. And if the only way to do that is for his kids to be peacemakers, we got to do better. We got to do better. There are too many people in our community that go to too many good churches in our community that call themselves followers of Jesus for us to be living in the tension and anger that we are. We've got to do better. If we want, us, if we want our community to see God, then we've got to be good kids. We've got to be obedient kids. We've got to be kids that look like Jesus because when we choose to help others find peace with God, we look like Jesus. And when we choose peace even though it costs us something. We look like Jesus. And when we choose to help other people getting along by being a bridge, guess what? We look like Jesus. And if we can look enough like Jesus to help people understand who he is, he is the only shalom maker who brings peace between humanity and God. That's our challenge today. It's a big one. It's a process. But I'm going to leave you with one verse before we pray. Here's how I think this process needs to work in our hearts. In Philippians 2.13, Paul told the church in Philippi, it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You say, what does that mean? It means this. The first thing God does when you hear spiritual truth is he helps you desire it. And then after you desire it, you begin to learn how to do it. I think the first step for Christians at our church in 2020 is to desire what I've been talking about. Because a lot of us, we're just in a posture to fight. We're just in a posture to fight. If somebody punches, we're going to punch back. Somebody takes one of ours, we're going to take one of theirs. Somebody wrongs us, we're going to wrong them. Somebody cheats us, we're going to cheat them. It's not even in our heart to make peace. But if God can change our will to where we think, you know what? I want to be that guy this week. I want to be that lady this week. I want to be that teenager this week. I'm going to stand in between. I'm going to pull people together. If you even begin to desire it, Paul says God works in you to desire it so you can do it. And if you begin to desire it, guess what? As soon as you open your social media in the next hour, you'll have a chance to practice. I promise, unfortunately. But it just is what it is. And we have a formula to make it better. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed here and for those watching online, but hearts are open. If you've never made peace with God, today you have to realize you were born broken spiritually. And that makes you an enemy of God. But Jesus came to offer you peace through putting your faith in him as your savior. He surrendered 
and he died on a cross so that you could surrender and live for God. If you're not at peace with God today, but you want to be, all you have to do is open up your heart to Jesus and say, I need you to be my savior. If you've never done that, you don't know how, but you want to today. You're certain you're infected with sin because you're certain that one day this life will end. Jesus is your answer. And if today you want to open up your heart to let him be your leader so you can become his follower, just pray something like this. You don't even have to pray it out loud. Just from your heart to heaven, just say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive my sin and my brokenness. Heal me and make me brand new. I surrender my will to your leadership because you surrendered your life for me. Come into my heart in my life and lead me. Today I commit to follow you. Today I commit to become a Christian. If you just prayed with me in just a second, Tara is going to come back on the stage and tell you how you can give us the information of your spiritual decisions so we can pray for you, maybe even pray with you talk to you about any questions that you might have. But before we close in prayer, let me talk to the Christians. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, hearts are open. Christians, if you are not actively making peace, you either aren't a Christian or you're a disobedient Christian. What's God saying to you today? Live to be a peacemaker. Help other people make peace with God. Choose to live at peace even with the most disruptive person, if you can, help others get along, be a bridge. Bridges get walked on, but they have a purpose. They get people from one side to the other. If you desire it, God will help you do it. Tell him you want it and ask him to help. Father, that's our prayer today. We thank you that Jesus is our shalom maker. We thank you that he is the son of God who came to a humanity that was infected with sin that could be proven by the death of every human time and time again before there was even a list of what to do or what not to do there was a reality that we are broken and this life is not eternal like it was supposed to be but then Jesus came and he brought healing and he gave us a choice Jesus or death and for those who chose him he said now that you have shalom with God you create shalom on earth So God, help us in our efforts to become peacemakers so that as we do that, we might look like our Father in heaven. Our community needs him. If we can help direct their gaze there through peace, we want to do that. Help us. We can't do it without Jesus. So Jesus, once again, we turn our eyes to you. We worship you. We love you. We ask for your help. And we ask these things today in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Journey, let's stand. We're going to worship. Before we stand, one more time, say Jesus. His name is wonderful. His name is powerful. His name is beautiful. We're going to sing about that today with Alex. As we do that, let's focus on Jesus. And then, man, have a great Thanksgiving. And we'll see you back here next Sunday.